everyone remain calm. Back for more, huh? Well, yeah, ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. But then later there's running and then screaming. Somebody talk to me, what is happening? Welcome to Jurassic World. And now, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Jurassic Park Podcast. How long is it going to take for that to spread around the globe? This was all John Hammond's dream. Hold on to your butt. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 231st episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Jost, and we're here to discuss all things Jurassic Park. In this episode, we're going to head to the tower, boost the signal, and relay all the latest news and community topics inside the Jurassic Wire. Aaron Beyer and I will tackle some of the most recent news and rumors. So, of course... We hope you like everything that we feature inside the latest iteration of the Jurassic Wire. All debates and conversations in this segment are certainly our own opinions and insights from things that we've seen in the news and around the community. Stay tuned to the beginning of the segment to hear everything that we'll be discussing. All right, so before we get started, of course, I'd like to take care of some quick business over on our website. I hope you all have been staying safe and staying Jurassic with that massive list put together uh, by Tom Fishenden over on our website. Uh, He put together a list of things to do, to watch, to download, to read, to listen to, whatever the case is. There is a huge list of things to keep you occupied during this quarantine. We are all in very, very similar situations. And uh, even if you're not, if you're essential, we thank you so much for doing everything that you're doing out there and for listening to this. I don't know if you're taking some time to listen to this during your essential activities, and we really, really appreciate it. So please go check out our website for the Stay Safe, Stay Jurassic initiative. Just click that banner at the top of the page to find the link uh, or all the links for everything that Tom put together. Um, Over on our YouTube page, one thing that we've been doing during this whole quarantine is watching all the movies. So last week we watched through Jurassic World. We finally took that leap 14 years later into Jurassic World, and man, was it fun. Uh, I had a blast. There was a ton of people, as always, in the chat uh, watching along with us. Uh, I just absolutely love these, and I'm going to be sad when these are over, and I hope you all stick around to uh, just watch our normal live streams or, or follow along with whatever else we do in the future. Um, they've been so much fun, and it's been so great uh, just hanging out with fellow Jurassic fans out there. So, last, like I said, last week we watched Jurassic World all together. It was amazing. Uh, we had so much fun. And then afterwards, I took a look at um, uh, a lot of the merch that I have kind of uh, sprawled out from the past several years, I guess, even going into the Fallen Kingdom-style merch. But uh, it always related back to Jurassic World. So we, we checked out all that stuff. We analyze some score stuff and uh, the movie of course we just went from top to bottom there's so much stuff to to pick apart and to talk about in there so i loved it it was so much fun and guys this week we're going to be doing jurassic world fallen kingdom i am so excited i am so excited i love that movie so much i i sometimes i feel like i'm the only one But I love that movie so much, so I hope you all join me to watch Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. We're going to be watching it Monday. That's the day that this is released, Monday, April 27th. 
How did it get so late in the month already? Um, we're going to be watching that the April 27th. That's today, the release date of this podcast. And uh, we're going to be watching it at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So make sure to grab your copy, digital copy, uh, DVD. They don't make them in VHS, I don't think. <laughs> but uh, any anyone that you have out there, grab your DVD, press play along with us, and we'll have a blast. I am so excited to look at this one, and uh, specifically the merch too. I- I'm very excited to to, to like show that off to you guys, to let you know what I have. So I can't wait. I can't wait. It's gonna be a blast. But enough of all that. Let's get this episode kicked off with another iteration of the Jurassic Wire. The debate over Isla Nublar rages on. They're taking no chances of a repeat of the San Diego incident. I'm talking about man-made cataclysmic change. The U.S. Senate has convened a special committee to answer a grave moral question. Roger that. Air one, clear for takeoff. Begin tracking. Copy that. Go, go! Welcome, everybody, to The Jurassic Wire. I am Brad Jost, and my co-anchor for this program is Aaron Beyer. The Jurassic Wire is a segment here on the Jurassic Park podcast where we discuss all the latest news on the Jurassic saga and the latest conversations in the Jurassic community. Today, we're going to be discussing some of Colin Trevorrow's pictures that he's been posting. Uh, We're going to talk about the T-Rex Good old Rexy herself and uh, her design. Um, Some Jurassic gaming news, maybe? Uh, And talk about uh, retconning the past. But before all that, let's welcome in Aaron. How you doing, dude? I'm doing all right. How's it going? It's going, man. Uh, How how have you been uh, keeping busy during this quarantine? I mean, I work from home, which is nice. Uh, I've been doing a little bit of that. A lot of Animal Crossing. I started (laughs) and finished Final Fantasy VII Remake like way faster than I assumed I would mm-hmm. um, just goes to show how much extra time I have on my hands. Um, but that's an yeah. amazing game. Holy cow. I, I have not played that. I I've also been like seriously deep into video games <laughs> this, this whole uh, quarantine. So I know we were just playing uh animal crossing together, visiting each other, <laughs> saying hi. And uh, I know one of our, one of our listeners, uh, Jurassic souls was there and just, just popped in to say, love the show. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was great. He popped in, said "love the show," and then left. He was like, "Okay, cool." <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. But uh, yeah, man, it's it's keeping me busy. Um, so when it comes to Jurassic, we we get this little bit of tidbit of news here, I guess, um, about a potential game coming our way. Maybe I don't I don't really know what what is the news here. Do you do you know what's going on with this? Uh, this I think this came from Outpost. Um, uh, oh, mean, it, was a, it was a trademark for Jurassic World Aftermath, right? Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, that's what it was. I don't really like – here's the thing. I assumed we would get a new video game. Um, I'm actually kind of assuming we get a couple uh, this time around. I'm I'm assuming that we get a Lego game that encompasses um, the new stories that have come out since Lego Jurassic World. And then I also assumed that we were going to get maybe a second – Jurassic World Evolution, but this kind of throws a wrench in that thought process of, well, three games at the release or tie-in is, like, really heavy, because you know there's going to be a mobile tie-in as well. So, Mm -hmm. 
adding this one, it kind of makes me think that one of the two originals that I thought of, uh, one or two, I guess, are probably not happening. Um, so yeah, I don't know. What do you What do you think of this? Like, are you are you in the mode for this survival horror? I guess survival horror, or are they just calling it a survival action third person? Well, I don't really know. Um, I think the the article here is just kind of taking what was previously known about uh, an old game that was in development at one point from, I guess, Perfect World Entertainment, and uh, that was Jurassic World Survivor, and that never, ever happened. So that essentially is, is like what everything else we got has become is like Camp Cretaceous, you know, uh, taking place like right at the end of uh, Jurassic World and then Jurassic World Live Tour also taking place right at the end of Jurassic World. So I guess that's what that game would have been as well, like trying to survive the aftermath of Jurassic World. So is that what this is also going to be? Jurassic World Aftermath? Are we, I guess, surviving the aftermath of the the park? Um, I, I don't know if that's fully something i'm into i have to really see what it is before i get to um get too controversial on my own opinions about it just because i've i've been vocal about this online and stuff that i don't want a game where i'm just shooting dinosaurs maybe we've talked about that before here but that's just not really my my thing um i'm for like you know uh what do you call it like a zombie game you know fine do that um uh, the last of us you know maybe there's there's human elements and uh zombie elements and stuff like that but like i I don't want to shoot like animals and like dinosaurs and stuff like that to to survive i'd rather use different tactics and i think there was a lot of conversation about what other things we could do um on my Twitter post that I, I kind of talked about how I don't want to shoot dinosaurs. So people were saying like capture gear, like imagine using capture gear or um, just finding other unique ways to uh, distract or, or get around dinosaurs instead of attacking them head on. And I know we did get um, that uh, arcade simulator game uh, a few years ago, right? Um, that what was the name of that one. I, I'm not, I, I don't know if it was just called like Jurassic park or something. I forget what that I think was it's called. just Jurassic park. I've played it. I mean, it, I know it's we've, fun, but it's just on the podcast, right? To talk yeah, about that game. We did. It was a very long time ago. I completely forget at this point, but that game was like unique. It was like, you were definitely shooting the dinosaurs, but there was a lot of like weird guns involved, like, like ice rays. And I don't even know there was tranks and stuff, I guess. But like, uh, I don't know. I just want something different than just a, a kind of, I don't want to say lazy, but I feel like it's kind of lazy for this instance. You know? Yeah, I it's weird because a lot of this article kind of harkens back to like, oh, it would be like Trespasser. And I know that there's a lot of people out there that like Trespasser. I mm-hmm. hate Trespasser. Um, that game is not playable. Um, even like the last my last interaction with Trespasser was watching Clayton Fioriti's like playthrough. And that game is it is way too long and bloated for the amount of little tidbits you're going to get for like Jurassic Park lore, especially for like back in the day of like 97. And it's a, it's basically shooting dinosaurs while you walk along what they are trying to pull off as open world. It's obviously it's 97, so it's not open world. Um, But it just, that game never gelled with me. And I, I remember playing it as a kid being like, wait, like I just find different guns and shoot dinosaurs as they like attack me. Um, it just, it wasn't fun 
for me because that's never what Jurassic has ever been about. I mean, sure, Grant has the the shotguns in Jurassic Park, but the shotguns in Jurassic Park are the last ditch effort of protection, and then they actually they don't even do anything. No. Like the guns, they they don't think they ever actually shoot a dinosaur. He misses, or like you get like an idea that the bullets went through the glass. So did it injure the raptor? Did it not injure injure the raptor? We don't really know. I guess. No, but, we we had a question about that that specific gun um, on the uh, recent mailbag, and I, I'm not I'm not like a you know a shotgun aficionado or anything, so I have no clue what like the shot would look like in the glass, but. I guess like a standard shotgun, it might not look like that, but maybe this one does. But um, yeah, Grant misses there. And and any instance we've seen, they've just not been effective. And even in Jurassic World, we did see, you know, some guys like unloading into the the um, uh, Indominus, but it had zero effect. So technically, I don't think any dinosaurs have been injured by guns in, in this series. Yeah, I mean, if you look, that's right. They they unload that like freaking Gatling gun on that Indominus from the yeah, helicopter. Yeah, like, yeah, freaking ridiculous. <laughs> but um, no, what's funny about that shotgun is that shotgun is it's just a pump shotgun, which is and there is a pump shotgun featured in Fortnite. Um, and I believe like there's like an Easter egg in that game where like if you could like turn around the the gun or get an up close, there's a serial number on it. And I think it's like the serial number on that gun inside Fortnite is like the release date of Jurassic Park oh, or really? something. <laughs> yeah. There's actually, there's actually a really cool wallpaper. There's That's no way for me to get it. I wish I could get it, but it's like, it's two characters hiding in a kitchen while there's two other characters in dinosaur costumes, like walking like on top of countertops <laughs> and stuff. It's pretty clever. That's um, awesome. You guys can just look up like Fortnite Jurassic Park wallpaper. It, it's pretty funny, but sure. um, yeah. So but yeah, anyway, getting back to like actual Jurassic Park, like evolution kind of fits that. And I, I think that Jurassic Park almost lends itself to almost any video game franchise other than like a shooter. Shooters is like the last thing that Jurassic Park, I think, lends itself to. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, we'll see. Like I've actually I, – I would love to see like a, a asymmetrical like kind of like how right now Predator Hunting Grounds just came out and then there was the Friday the 13th video game where it's asymmetrical where like one person plays let's say like one person plays um uh, a hero slash big bad dinosaur and then the other you know five or six people would play like a group of like acu members or dino uh capture people or something i think that could be kind of fun um something like alien isolation i think could be kind of fun where you're put in different scenarios from the jurassic franchise and you have to like kind of hide and and escape like rooms or something like that but yeah, this idea of like a survival shooter, I don't know, just never really did it for me. Yeah, you know what would be fun, uh, and it kind of reminds me of the old Sega game, is like, you know how you could pick between Grant or the Raptor? Like, what if like you're blue in this instance, like surviving after what we saw in Jurassic World, you know? Um, that'd be kind of fun. Uh, I don't know how that would work out, but maybe a short game, but um, something like that could be fun. Um, but I definitely think there's ways for humans to survive um without you know just constantly shooting so hopefully we can get some more information but for now this this may not end up being anything whatsoever um just like Jurassic world survivor i guess but um at least we we do know that there's a trademark i feel like as far as like video game cycles i feel like frontier is actually on the perfect cycle to get a new Jurassic world game out for the next installment um for dominion only because like you know, it was like 
Evolution came out, and then like two or three years later, they had Planet Zoo, and now mm-hmm. we're looking at like another two years to three years for Dominion to come out, and I feel like that's the perfect amount of time to like not have to necessarily recreate the last video game, but like update the the one that's out enough to be able to sell it as a whole new game, um, you sure. know, and and the new hardware will be out by then as far as like um, Xbox and PlayStation, so. The game could handle, hopefully, you know, Planet Zoo is only on PC, and for good reason. Maybe the new consoles will be able to handle that kind of processing power. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know why everything has to be centered around the downfall of Jurassic World. Um, because it's, you know... because here's the reason, Brad. It's the most interesting thing. These, like, I'm sorry, like, I get where we're going with this franchise, but these movies aren't interesting unless they're in a park. And I'm really, really worried hmm. about Dominion not interesting me like at all hot so, take there <laughs> I, I mean it is a hot take but like i didn't think jurassic park 3 was all that interesting the lost world is fine it kind of fills in some gaps from jurassic park but like it's, the it's reason jurassic world park did too. so well what i mean even that movie centered around a park you know they're going to be making one and inhabiting it yeah but like the reason Jurassic World did so well was because of the whole thing. The park mm. is open. The park is here. You're looking at humans, human containment and human like ego versus the most powerful animal on the planet, right? Yeah. And I think once you take dinosaurs and they are now the new dominant species in an open world environment with humans, I don't understand this this goes back to like dinosaurs should not be difficult to take down. Like I'm actually kind of surprised they did the Gatling gun thing in Jurassic World because that for sure should have taken down the Indominus Rex. I'll be honest. I don't even think it hit it. I think they were a bunch of stormtroopers up there, and I think somebody made that comment. um, I think Sam made it in uh, our live watch through of Jurassic World because, like, I don't even honestly think it hit it. (laughs) So, yeah, who knows? Maybe. I don't know. I just – I'm a little worried about Dominion and just, like, how many – how many moments of, well, you need to suspend your belief mm. for it, that movie to work? Um, sure. So I, I mean, don't know. We'll see. Again, prove me wrong, right? Like I'm always open to be proven wrong. Yeah. Aftermath could be, you know, aftermath of Fallen Kingdom and the Lockwood, you know, breakout there. So, you know, that is a potential possibility, I guess. Um, but yeah. I don't know. But that, that's that's the news for now, at least for uh, this this um Oh, I guess the domain was registered as well. So JurassicWorldAftermath.com um, registered registered on April fourteenth. Uh, I don't think that does anything, but let me just double check before we move on. Nope, nothing. Nothing. Uh, so, well, actually, let's see. It says it's for sale. So, but I don't know. It's <laughs> <laughs> for sale. Okay. Uh, already, moving on. Already canceled. <laughs> Why don't we take a look at some of Colin Trevorrow's pictures? Um, okay talking about uh what do you call it uh, uh jurassic world dominion and, and what's going on here during the quarantine um so let's start here on instagram uh, this was a little while back um march 31st so i know we did not do a wire uh last month uh so colin i guess was home um and he has a very lovely looking office with a very nice desk and uh a mac there on the uh i know is it no it's not it's a I don't know what that is, but he's got a yeah, it's a Mac. A la- oh yeah, he's got a Mac laptop with. Some, I mean, his monitor doesn't look anything like mine, so I'm confused. But um, he's got a, a shot. It looks like right of 
Jurassic World Dominion. So what's your what's your first take on what that image is uh, that's on the monitor? It's hard to tell. Is that I'm assuming that's Maisie because that's all we've really seen in any other photos mm-hmm. that he's shown. That's Maisie in this tundra esque. Um, honestly, this shot looks like something out of like a Michael Bay Transformers movie <laughs> with like the big <laughs> plume of smoke in front of this like desolate building. Um, yeah. So, I mean, cool. Like when I think about when I think about some of the set pieces in like maybe the first Transformers movie, I'm like, okay, I could, I could take some of these set pieces and handle this with, with dinosaurs instead of big robots. But um, I mean, it's cool. It's very blue, which I know people are going to freak out about, but (laughs) this movie hasn't been through its final color grading process. So we really have no idea what the color is going to be at this point. Um, I think it's safe to say it will have somewhat of a blue hue to it, Uh, but you never know. Things could change. I know it is very, very blue. It doesn't bother me at all. I think it looks pretty cool. Um, but yeah, there's not much to it. I guess uh, it, it should be Maisie there um, with a bicycle. I guess there's a bicycle right there. Um, now, is this like an active community or uh, like is that desolate like you said? I mean from what we've seen um, – it could be, you know, kind of like a an old factory town or something like that. Maybe I don't know. Um, but you see snow on the ground. You got that that plume of smoke there. But yeah, not not much to go off of. I do like the vibe and the style there, and it does look like a, a very dark movie. Um, this doesn't. This doesn't. Despite the blue, it doesn't feel like the other two, to me. Well, no, and I think because we are going to be getting out of jungle which i am a little hesitant to want to leave behind but um it and i guess that's my thing with the snow and we can talk about that like i guess in another like photo he's posted but like mm-hmm. snow it, it's like it's like colin has said already in the past he's like hey we're gonna be kind of heading out of the jungle and i thought maybe he would like baby steps into like a forest but no this is gonna be like throw you in the deep end we're not in a jungle anymore we're now in the snow and so sure. i mean i don't know it's it's almost like right now it's just a bit much for me to handle as far as like, and again, these are snippets of a film that is at, I'm presuming two hours long and we're seeing single frame images. Like, you know, this, this could easily be the 15 minute <laughs> tease at the beginning or the five minute tease or whatever. Sure. Like, well, you know, we have no clue. We also have to keep in mind that they, they were filming for what seemed like maybe a week, two weeks, maybe three weeks before this all happened before the quarantine. Oh, I so, know. There's there's not much going on here, um, and they they filmed in the snow, and then they moved to to the UK, so they they completely got away from this. Now that doesn't mean that you know they're not going to recreate some of that stuff in Pinewood with more snow, but they got out of the elements and they were no longer even filming in the snow. So who knows, you know that could be it. We know there's a lot of other locations to be uh, filmed as well. Um, certainly some that are not snow oriented whatsoever. So maybe this is just some quick hideaway that they have in the beginning of the movie or something. I I don't know, but, um, just showing like, Hey, where they are now, maybe it has nothing to do with dinosaurs. But, um, I, I would think I would gather to believe that like based off of that, that first shot, you know, in Jurassic world where the bird stomps its foot into the snow, I would guess that he was, he would mirror that image kind of close out his trilogy with that same kind of thing. Yeah, sure, the Indominus eggs were before that, but 
I think, you know, if he, I think he's going to close this out, stamp it out with an actual dinosaur foot in the snow. I think that would be a good way to mirror that uh, beginning of Jurassic World, at least. Yeah, I just would like the CG to be a bit better, but than that bird. <laughs> sure. But um, what can I say? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that Trevorrow, that's something he would totally do. I feel like he's already mirrored a few of his own shots, and he's definitely mirrored things from the original trilogy um, in the films. So I'm excited. I mean, I'm excited to see what this is. Again, I kind of, like I said, I, when I look at this image, I think of like kind of the, was it like a desert outpost in Transformers 1 or like a, a town in the mm-hmm. desert or something like that? It oh, feels for sure. Yeah. Like that. There, there's, um, I feel like in those movies and even like The Mummy and stuff like that, there's like just these random pop-up villages in the middle. Like they're, they're like three buildings and that's it. <laughs> And right. there's like smoke and, and uh, it's all desolate and in the middle of a desert. So, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, this feels like that. So I'm totally on board. I'm cool with this. He's got an amazing office. Like, holy cow. I, I know. I mean, mine is like cluttered with all kinds of stuff. And his is just flawless. Like nice, beautiful office with the light there, the the window there. That's awesome. Um, yeah. But let's move on to the second image, which this one was posted on Twitter. So I don't know. He's, this one was more about uh, uh, recently everybody's been kind of posting stuff like this about you know, professionals in your industry or whatever industry you are in, just post a picture of you working. So he posted this picture um, of himself looking at uh, a monitor here on set during the filming, and he's staring straight at Maisie. And it's a great-looking shot. It looks like, you know, there's a little bit more context to that setting. Um, maybe this is a logging facility or something like that because there's trees all over the place or, or you know, yeah, that's trees on the ground. Yeah, there's like, and, a, there's like a pile of logs there. Yeah, and yeah. then there's also, you know, it looks like a truck in the back or some sort of construction material truck uh, holding up a pile as well. So, uh, and we do know something about, you know, the casting. They were looking for like a fishing town kind of, you know, group of people. So maybe this is that same thing. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, we got Maisie there in the snow and in actual real life snow, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, it is pretty awesome. Um, you know, I'm excited to see what this location is. I think it's cool. Maisie looks a little bit older. Obviously, she would um, in in this situation. I am a little bit concerned, though. They're shooting the sequence with Maisie, and obviously they haven't gotten very far into shooting. I'm wondering if they end up having to reshoot all of this um, based on <laughs> the age she is at in real life. She's yeah. aging she's aging pretty quickly at this state so like i'm wondering if how long this quarantine goes on and how long people are going to be unwilling to work in close quarters sets like this i'm wondering if they end up having to reshoot this entire sequence and come back to this location or shoot it green screen or whatever um yeah i'm just really curious as to if this sequence that we see the way we see it now even winds up in the final film yeah we're we're all on the same page here because uh myself and jen actually did that same kind of uh questioning right there as uh is she gonna be older (laughs) like much older by the time uh this quarantine ends and filming gets back on schedule um and i i think i actually proposed that idea as like maybe they don't scrap the whole thing maybe they just put her on a, a green screen and just you know edit her into the film um if it is that noticeably different, you know, we don't want her looking like 12 and then like 16, you know, like I know that's not really how long it's going to be, but you know, aging works in mysterious ways. So who knows? Well, you got to think too, like her parts for fallen kingdom were shot probably what, three years ago now, four years ago at this point. Yeah, um, like that. So she's already older. 
now we've got this whole quarantine situation. I remember someone was complaining at one point, like in Harry Potter two, there's like during the reshoots, you can tell he's like, he's actually much older um, than he's oh, supposed really? to be. Like, yeah, I guess in Harry Potter two, like you see his age fluctuate a bit. And again, it's, you, you get these younger teenagers and they grow really fast, right? Like it's like a sure. rapid point of like, <laughs> you know, going from kid to like adult. And so I kind of don't want that. Hopefully this is a situation where they can go like, they can show this being Maisie and then do like a whole like, oh, one year later or six months later, you know, something where mm. this isn't hopefully like smack dab in the middle of the film. Um, sure. This younger version of Maisie that we're inevitably going to have. Um but I don't know. Like, I'm wondering how much of the budget they end up having to eat because they maybe have to reshoot this entire sequence. I don't know. It's yeah, it's it's, it's not going to be it's not going to be as easy as all right, guys. Let's just start. You know, let's let's go forward from where we finished. You know, there's going to be a a whole lot more work that has to happen. Um, you know, for this movie to actually get back on on the same page that it was, or you know, maybe they changed some of it. Who knows? I I was saying, you know, you might as well push this movie to 2022 and I know there was always these rumors about this being a two film project so maybe this is the time to rework that you know make it a bigger movie and and then film them both at the same time and then release the other one in 2023 is that too much probably (laughs) you know what though I personally think I think I agree I've been kind of saying this I think this movie does get pushed to 2022 because I think the production staff has been so amped up about that June release date. Yeah. I don't think they keep June, 2021. Like I, I, everything that's getting pushed out of the summer is getting pushed to the fall or to the like Christmas holiday or like, yeah, the holiday season. But like Jurassic is not that Jurassic is a summer blockbuster. And I think, I think that you just, you get better everything by delaying. And I think that to hit that June mark in 2022 would be amazing. I, I have seen a bunch of films kind of crowding that that whole June 2021, like, you know, months before and after. So it, it might get a little full over there. And I think at this point I've been saying, you know, you don't want a full uh, – you don't want a, a, a rushed, uh, you know, uh, product. So spend some more time. Give it till 2022. You know, uh, let, them, let them figure this out and not be rushed to – Give us a, a flawed product, maybe. Um, not to say it will be, but um, it certainly would only benefit them to wait a little bit. Um, and yeah, you're right. That that sweet spot, and that's what I've always said about uh, Fast and Furious. You know that the reason that they moved a full year when they could have just picked, you know, maybe the end of this year or beginning of next year, but they they moved all the way out to the uh, April or May of next year, and that's because it's their sweet spot. They, they don't want to move away from that. I think with Universal having so, so few giant franchises, they really don't have the luxury that Disney has of like, oh, like who cares when it releases, you know, because we're going to have another big blockbuster in three months anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have the luxury of, you know, oh, who cares if this movie just winds up on Disney Plus its first week? Like, you know, we'll get more money the following, you know, six months or whatever yeah. from another blockbuster. Like, Universal has to play these few blockbusters they have. And, they have to apparently i guess this is the last one under like the current Crichton estate contract or something so they need this one to make a lot of money and i think the best way for it to make a lot of money is just to get it done on the original uh you know maybe not the original like dated schedule but get it done in the original budget and just hold it 
just hold off and have it make its money the following year. And I think I think that's the wisest move. For sure. Um, so yeah, that's about it. Uh, the you know the picture doesn't really tell us too much. I do like that they're you know filming in realistic real snow, so that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, not much to go off of there. So it's good to see them or good to see what they were working on before this all happened. Um, but yeah, let's see what else we got here. So we got the two things from Colin. So what do you want to move on to next? Do, do you want to let's, let's, let's figure this out. Do you want to talk about the T-Rex or do you want to talk about maybe retconning the past? Which one do you think leads better into the other? Cause I actually kind of <laughs> feel like these are a bit. Okay. Well, let's, let's talk about retconning the past first. Okay. A little bit. All right. Uh, so I'll start this one. Good old, good old at Tom Jurassic on Twitter, our buddy Tom <laughs> over here posted. He, so if you guys don't follow Tom on Twitter, you absolutely should. Um, he does like a lot of like toy photography, primarily what would you say Mattel and Lego? Um, oh, for sure. As yeah. far as, as far as Jurassic goes. And then he does some like Halo stuff as well. Um, but he mm-hmm. posted uh, something about, let's see, on April 23rd, he posted that the, the uh, the Dilophosaurus is one of the dinosaurs from the original Jurassic Park. Henry Wu and his geneticist augmented the dinosaur that it that so it features a hazardous venomous saliva, and that got me all nerdy fan triggered um, because <laughs> Tom Tom being so young, right, and you know openly saying like Jurassic World, I think is what got him into the Jurassic Park franchise, right? Is that am I wrong in saying that? I believe so. Uh, don't quote us on this. <laughs> I mean, okay. So I think he has actually said that like Jurassic world is kind of like what has like flamed his like passion for the Jurassic park franchise. I, that I'm not a hundred percent positive, but he definitely is like a huge Jurassic world fan. And um, he, I don't think he was even alive when the original movie came out. So for him, like Jurassic world is, is kind of this uh, it's as main for it's as main for him as like the original trilogy is for us. Right. Like, it's kind of weird. Like I feel like as a, as an older like fan, I feel like these movies they while they are Jurassic park, they're not like the core like franchise that I'm used to like talking about or getting excited about. They're just kind of like these additive great bonuses. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm probably like one of the only fans that really feels that way. Um, but no, no, certainly not. I said to, I, I replied back to him. I said, no, they didn't. Tom, I said, listen to, you know, Richard Kiley, Richard Kiley in the movie, the original movie is giving like his narration and they talk about the Dilophosaurus. And he says, we now know that Dilophosaurus ha- was a venomous, you know, saliva, blah, blah, blah. Right. And I just said, you know, I was joking. I said, get your Jurassic world revisionist history out of here. And, um, <laughs> and this kind of breaks it down because there's all these arguments of like, well, were there full size Dilophosaurs in Jurassic Park? You know, were there were there feathered dinosaurs in Jurassic World? There's the whole thing with Wu saying like, you know, if we made them accurately, um, they would look a lot different. Um, there's Colin Trevorrow when Jurassic World was coming out was saying things like, you know, oh well, we can create the Indominus in a lab because they were like cloning with like frog DNA and stuff like that, and. That's all fine. I think that fits the current narrative. But what we've all kind of forgotten is that the original Jurassic Park, frog DNA or not, the goal was to make real dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. They didn't. There wasn't this thought process of like mutations. 
and you know amping up certain genes to do this and that like yeah they 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 messed with the genes to make sure that they were all females um but they weren't trying to mess with in the original Jurassic Park movie they weren't trying to mess with color patterns or adding weird entertainment value uh killing mechanics to these animals it was like they the frog dna was there just so that they could get as close to a real dinosaur as possible and i feel like that's kind of gotten forgotten today you know almost 26 27 years later like the dinosaurs that we see in jurassic park the ones that are presented to us are presented to us as this is what dinosaurs were mm -hmm. and that's like it like it's like the most purest thought process you could possibly have and so i don't know like Tom's a great guy and I like, I love following his stuff, but it just, it was funny. Like it reminded me as to how far we've come on this franchise yeah. as to like, it went from being real dinosaurs to now they're like mutants, you know? I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like we should let like Tom, you know, speak his piece here. No, um, he cannot come on this show and defend himself. <laughs> I am attacking him with no ability for him to do, to defend himself. Um, I see it. No, I get that totally because I think, um, Back in the day, that's that's what we knew. Uh, we knew that they were just using it to fill in the holes and complete the codes. Whew. That's about right, it. Right. Like it, there was nothing more, nothing less. Um, even and and I did this whole you know kind of. Uh, well, I did the the what do you call it the uh, Jurassic Park three rewatch with everybody on on YouTube, and I kind of tried to look at that movie as like, well, what's what does this mean now? You know, how does this movie fit in more now? Um, and I think we all try to do that these days is, is to piece together everything. And we're all kind of retconning the past and, and as well as the creators a little bit. Um, so I don't know. I, I do like looking at these movies kind of in that way that Tom is where, you know, Oh, you know, Henry Wu has been this, this bad guy this whole time. And I've had that debate about whether, you know, back in Jurassic Park, was he necessarily a bad guy? Sure, he was definitely kind of cocky about the whole thing and arrogant about, you know, what he was talking about. Um, but, you know, was he that manipulative uh, geneticist back then where he tried to fit his own ideas into these dinosaurs to make them do certain things? Um, I don't know. Um, I, yeah, I guess you could look at what Richard Kiley says is, you know, we now know um, – now, is that based off of science that they've they've established that they now know, or is that based yeah. off of well, we made it, so this is what we now know? I what think it's think? Based, I think it's literally that. I think it's well, we made it to Lavasaur and it spit venom at one of our employees, so we now know, you know, that this thing that we created in a lab off of like pure DNA and frog DNA. Like we now know that this thing had a venomous spit. There would have been no way for us to know that just based off of bone structure. And it, I mean, just basically bones and fossils, right? Like they, they even mentioned it in the book. The book was never designed that these things were mutants or like somehow changed the, in the book, they were, they were real dinosaurs. And it was, it was kind of the art, the opposite argument as in Jurassic world with Wu. Wu was like, you know, I want to slow these down. These don't meet the perceptions of the audience as to what a dinosaur is. And, and Hammond was very much like, no, we've done it. We have real dinosaurs. We're going to change perceptions. Mm -hmm. You know, the people will enjoy these because these aren't the storybook versions that we were all hand fed as a kid. These are what real dinosaurs were. And that's what Hammond wanted. And that, 
I think I feel like that theme is carried into the movie. Um, and the Dilophosaurus, you know, when when Nedry said, Oh, I thought you were one of your big brothers, right? Like just if you take that line from Richard Kiley, Richard Kiley's saying, now that we've created this, we know everything there is to know about this animal. So Nedry saying, I thought you were one of your big brothers, we should assume that Nedry isn't like a complete idiot. Like he's obviously very smart and you know, there's the argument that, like, oh, he didn't really care about the dinosaurs, but, like, my argument into that would be, like, but he went from knowing that dinosaurs were extinct to all of a sudden he's working on an island that has them. Your curiosity would at least help you memorize the 10 species or 15 species that you have on that one island. Like, you would know them pretty well, I would imagine, even if that's not, like, your direct, um, that's not, like, your direct you department, like, zoology. I- We've kind of made that artic- uh, argument about like uh, Claire as well because she she seemed very arrogant and or not arrogant but just like confident in her her position her role um, and just distanced from everything else around her um, and kind of that same way is like did she really know much about these things or did she not? But see, Claire comes from a world where dinosaurs have existed for twenty some years in the public true, eye, right? True. Nedry Nedry literally went from. There were no dinosaurs. Dinosaurs were died off millions of years ago to holy cow, I got this job on this island and there are real dinosaurs. Like that you wouldn't just be blase about it. You know what I'm saying? You would mm-hmm. just go, oh well, cool, there's dinosaurs here. Well, I guess I'm gonna make this theme park computer system. Like you you would wanna go through that whole that whole um video presentation as well and be like, what how like th- that reality is is way more astonishing from Nedry's point of view than I think it is from Claire's point of view. Oh, definitely. Yeah, there's no argument there. Um, so, let's see. Um, this you know, kind of takes us into the Rex no, conversation. Well, well hold right? on, because I feel like there's still more here. But the the argument about like the aug- augmented dinosaur, um, it kind of does. Going back to Jurassic Park three again. Uh, talk about like the Spinosaurus. Like, how do you feel about that? Because that creature, which every time I make like a, a meme or just like a joke or you know talk about my love of the Spinosaurus, everybody's like, "Well, you know, the Spinosaurus wasn't really like that in real life." I'm like, "Yeah, I, I get it, but none this of these is what they made like this in real life." Like, we even know that Velociraptor wasn't six feet tall, but in the Jurassic Park universe, for some reason, they're six feet tall. It's probably because mm-hmm. it's scarier, right? But yeah. Like, but but you also have that argument. Like, there's 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 several kinds of people out there. There's the ones that want these to be real dinosaurs, and the the way they the way they look is how they how they should be depicted uh, versus their real life counterparts. So the spinosaurus should look like a real spinosaurus, not the one that we got, and and all that. So I I don't know where I'm going with all this, but (laughs) well, I okay. So here's the thing. Hold on. So as far Go, no, sorry, go, go ahead, um, finish your thought. No, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that. Um, I just think that with with Jurassic Park 3, it kind of like begs us to ans- ask these kinds of questions because they've kind of mirrored it, I guess, with stuff that you see in Jurassic World and all that. So um, I don't think it's necessarily the fault of anybody for asking or, or to say for saying things like this about these old movies, but I I can see both sides. It's very hard. I don't know. 
Well, I think in retrospect, right, we can look back and say, okay, they added the Dilophosaur Venom, but, like, you really can't with Richard Kiley's line in the presentation. Like, you have to assume that the Dilophosaurus had this Venom, and you could almost also assume that the Dilophosaur Frill was not added by, you know, scientific gene splicing. Like, they found the Frill. Like, how many bones do you think are in that Frill? I would argue probably not that many. You know, not not so many that they couldn't have been missing or overlooked by almost every, you know, deep, I don't know, what's the word when you dig up a dinosaur, right? But, like, I could easily see it that those bones being so light and so thin, having disintegrated or getting blown away or lost after the, all those animals died in the past, that we just simply didn't know a frill existed. And it's obviously pretty scientifically like proven that it's not. That was definitely something Spielberg added. But in the context of the original film, you're supposed to believe that that animal had that frill. Yeah. Like that's not a it's not a genetic modification by Wu that the frill was added. So, you know, I I don't know. It's it's really kind of hard to like. It's really kind of hard to pinpoint, especially now that there's been so many like retcons and and new information out there, like put into it. But you know, my biggest thing when you say like, oh, the Spinosaurus is was that a mutation, right? We've all kind of accepted nowadays that that's like a mutation that they were working on on that island. But the the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park three are depicted as the Jurassic Park one dinosaurs are depicted in this in the sense that Alan's dream sequence includes a raptor that we know he has never seen <laughs> we're, we're supposed to we're supposed to just have this understanding that this is what raptors look like you're supposed to while you're watching that movie you're supposed to retcon your imagination to say oh these were the raptors from the first jurassic park because of that dream sequence now sure it would have made way more sense had they just gone and dug up a, a robot from you know from the previous uh, movies, um, you know, and and tried to redo the skins and stuff to make it look like a, gosh, if anything, at oh. least a lost world <laughs> raptor, you know. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. So, but like, he talks to a feathered raptor. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I that that bugs me so much. But but I do want to ask Tom to defend his tweet uh, about the Dilophosaurus. So so Tom, could you do that for me right now? <laughs> Yo, Alan! <laughs> Tom! No, you were not supposed to bring Tom. I'm supposed to berate him without his ability to protect himself. <laughs> What's up, Tom? What, I, I really like the mute button on the new microphone I've got. That came in very handy then. Um, yo, what's up? I... Did not expect this to be happening, but here we go. No, um, we were just discussing your tweet, and I know you and Aaron went back and forth on that. So I just wanted get, to get we your... didn't even go back and forth. It was just me attacking him and then like, leaving like a coward. I wanted it. to get your quick thoughts, uh, not not to hold you here too long, but just to think about what what does the original Jurassic Park mean to you? Do you think they're real dinosaurs, or do you go with this new idea of, well, Doctor Wu was kind of tampering with everything from the start? Okay, so. I'm going to start by saying that that tweet was definitely just a misjudgment when I scheduled it in Hootsuite and I didn't think about how I'd phrased it. Oh, Tom, Tom, I'm, look, listen, man, I'm by no means holding you to like, I, I think you believe this stuff like beyond the shadow of a doubt. Like, I'm aware that Twitter is like a fun thing for all of us. So like, I'm yeah. not like holding you to this like 
you know, what you say is your Bible kind of situation. Like, at all. I just, he said it. I that's what, it he, that's what he means. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, I like... So, I think one of the very, very core fundamental principles that obviously the first film takes from the novel is the fact that these are, at the end of the day, scientific creations. They have never been proper dinosaurs because proper dinosaurs are extinct. So whatever these are, they are never going to be those creatures from the past because they use different bits of DNA to make them up and create them. So they're never going to be fully authentic. So I think in that kind of regard... Yes, Wu has been genetically modifying them from the very start because they've never been proper dinosaurs. They've always essentially been a genetically created fairground sure. monster um, so, so that Ar- just happens to resemble that. So Aaron, and I, I believe this as well, is back when these the movie specifically came yeah. out, is we were led to believe that these were real. That there, you know, despite the the fact that there was just a little bit of frog DNA and stuff in there filling out those codes, these were real dinosaurs. They the book does something a little bit different and, and talks about, you know, more about the modulation of these creatures, but the movie yeah. doesn't necessarily do that. But the book speaks about the modulation of the creatures in the sense that Hammond, or no, I'm sorry, the sense that Wu want wants to modulate them. That. Mm-hmm. Wu was tasked with the idea of creating as pure of a dinosaur as possible. And once he did it, realized that the world was not going to accept this as fact because the world already had these preconceived notions of what a dinosaur was. Like he talks about in the book, like wanting to slow them down, like, like it's like it's film footage, you know? And I think (laughs) they even, I think they even make the reference of like, you know, they're, they're too fast. It's like when, it's like when people saw film in the twenties, you know, because they were hand cranked, right. Everyone was moving fast. He said that that's how they compared how these animals move compared to our perceptions of what they were. And so it is really interesting. And part of the argument that I I started with, with Brad was like, so you being kind of one of the younger, like fans that like (laughs) I'm aware of, like was Jurassic world, what flamed your fandom of the Jurassic park franchise, or were you like a hardcore Jurassic park fan first? It, I tell you what, it's interesting because I literally had this discussion with Jay last night. Um, we did his new segment for the first time. And I was saying in that um, Jurassic World was quite kind of like an intrinsic part of my fandom because it came out while I was at college and I was studying media. And so it inspired a lot of that. But I suppose um, when you look at the way that I guess I perceive it and I look at it, I guess I've never really seen any of the dinosaurs in any of the fiction I enjoy as more than science fiction because I started out with a show that was all about um, these dinosaurs coming through like portals in time and stuff like that. So that kind of set that preconceived, I suppose, conception that these creatures were never going to be authentic, so to speak. There was always going to be something to do that. So I guess when it's then come to Jurassic, I've still kind of got that, um, perception of them not being, you know, original creatures. Because, I mean, at the yeah. end of the day, if we're talking, like, classic dinosaurs, then they're going to be back in the era that they lived in, aren't they? So whether that's the Cretaceous, the Jurassic, the Triassic, it's never going to be fully authentic unless you've got those creatures surrounded by the fauna, the atmosphere, everything like that from that time, if that makes sense. Right. Sure. So, which is interesting. So the show, you're talking about, it's primeval, right? Yes. Okay. So... 
I, I mean, I, I won't lie. Like I've never seen it. Right. But that show, <laughs> which is so, so, but here's like, here's the interesting thing about like your age versus like our age. Right. You, what year were you born? Were you born after 1993? Yeah. I was born in 99. Okay. So here's the thing. The world, I'm, I'm looking at classic dinosaur movies. Like I just Googled classic dinosaur movies. Right. And anything older than Jurassic park, all the dinosaurs are these um, Valley of Guanji style or cartoony, like lumbering animals. And so when Jurassic Park was presented to us as an audience in 1993, that, that idea of what a dinosaur was, that a dinosaur was not this lumbering animal. It wasn't this clumsy thing. It was actually this like agile, like the idea of a dinosaur being bird-like to a general audience was... Yeah was brand new this is like jurassic park added this entirely new perspective on what these animals were and so i feel like that concept was so popular and well accepted because of jurassic park you started getting shows or movies that wanted to replicate that style of dinosaur not the old school style um you know harryhausen you know kind of view of what they were and so it's interesting to hear you say, like, you know, your your first introduction to dinosaurs or getting excited about dinosaurs was was prime of all because, to me, that's like a blatant. Just I would I would even consider like Terra Nova, right? Like trying to blatantly yep. rip off what Jurassic Park was, whereas Jurassic Park was such a new crazy concept that like when I look at Jurassic World, I just go, I don't understand this new logic they have because Jurassic Park was our Jurassic Park was already such a big leap in my thought process of what a dinosaur was. I can't possibly make any more room in my head for <laughs> further modifications, right? Like I feel like the the stride to just get what they got was so was so grand that it was like it was it took all their ener- energy just to get to that benchmark. How could they possibly add in more things, you know, yeah. in in that era? So it's just it's just interesting to get the pure perspective on you know what made you a jurassic fan and like and kind of like i think your age has a lot to do with it and my age does you know specifically as well so it's it's yeah, just it's really interesting i think it's interesting it's like you say i've kind of grown up and i've been spoiled in a sense because i've had those really well i was going to say high quality cgi but when you look back at primeval the cgi definitely hasn't aged well um but obviously like i grew up with those full-on perceptions so i mean from the very first season i was seeing like permian creatures like the gorgonopsids storming across the screen um i saw a tyrannosaurus tearing up a city the spinosaurus on the loose in liverpool so i think i very much got like all of those really grandiose set pieces and sequences that featured these really intricately detailed dinosaurs. I guess in that kind of regard, the bar was already set so high that then when it came to Jurassic Park, while I still love it and I really, really have a lot of admiration for the physical filmmaking in that film, I think perhaps that leap in technology is missed somewhat by me and by people in my generation because we've already had that technology like surrounding us so we're used to that it's not so new and so revolutionary right and it's just because you've had the benefit so like just even style wise right like you had the benefit of growing up in a world where like let's say let's take a t-rex right that the t-rex actually stood like and the 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 majority of its body was parallel to the ground right and maybe maybe brad remembers like specifically but like when i was learning about dinosaurs the tail was designed to be so heavy that like it would make the animal stand upright yeah, it you know? was dragging. And it so, was always dragging. 
Right, always dragging. <laughs> and so every book I have about dinosaurs shows that T Rex uh, right. dragging its tail. And so what's interesting, it's like even though like the land of the lost, right? Or no, I'm sorry, the land before time, 1998. That T Rex is standing um, upright. Um, I want to say the land. What was another like the land of the lost was the nineties, the nineties version of it was like something you and I might've grown up with. I think that T-Rex stood upright. Um, Just even something as simple as that these animals, their tails were designed to create parallel balance to the ground for running. That was like a mind blowing revolutionary concept to me as a kid who grew up with dinosaurs stood upright because their tails were so heavy that they like balanced them out that way. Like that's, so I don't know. It's just it's just a matter of like when you grew up. Like did you were you did you grow up pre or post Jurassic Park, right? And I feel like that definitely um, shapes one how you view Jurassic World and two just how you view dinosaurs in general. Um, it's just yeah, really interesting and, to me. And also, I think uh, at this point in time, we we almost have no reason to look back at how Jurassic was before Jurassic World came around. Because this is our this is our current timeline is we we know yeah. what this movie is from start or the series is from start to the end of uh, Battle at Big Rock I guess so does it <laughs> does it make sense for us to even matter or, or to care about whether or not it was a uh, you know it, it, whether or not he was tampering with him we we have to assume that he was at this point you know like it, it kind of just goes with this whole timeline of the uh, the movies. I think it goes with the very Crichton concepts as well, because when you look at, obviously, the original novel, it's all about messing with science and not fully understanding when you need to stop and not really having those boundaries in place. And, I mean, that's kind of like the core crux of Chaos Theorem, isn't it? So I suppose in that kind of way, that core concept that's communicated throughout the franchise very much relates to the way that science is used in it and how we're always taking steps forward with it and never stopping to actually reflect on the consequences of the actions that we've already taken. Sure. So, so Aaron, should we, should we ditch this kid or should we just transfer that right into the next topic? Tom is always welcome to stay. (laughs) I love Tom. So Tom is always welcome to stay. If he has the time, if he's got to go, he can go. But if he's I mean, stay, I need to get up early for work, but screw it, I'm game. You know, all right. So I, I feel like your, your thoughts right there kind of led nicely into the T-Rex and its design. <laughs> so Tom, has, has this been hit over your head enough this week or do you want to talk about it some more? Oh, the I'm game for sitting in, but I just think like my, my key thing with this is when, whenever anyone has a different opinion on something, just please, please, please communicate it constructively. Cause there was sometimes like a couple of weeks back when it was all kicking off, I was sat there like, Oh, this is starting to get a bit messy now. So I've kind of just been sitting on the sidelines, seeing everything that's going on, enjoying lapping up the drama a little bit, but I'm kind of like, now I'm at that point where I'm like ready to have civil discussions about it and see what different people are thinking. Yeah. But that's all I want to do. Like I, we, we don't, <laughs> We, we don't really, like, get too, like, personal or, or like you said, dramatic, right? Like, yeah. I, that's, not, that's, not the, that's not the goal of the discussion, right? The goal of the, of the discussion is to basically be like, you know, what, what should the final outcome be, whether we agree with it or not, right? Like, and, and we'll kind of get into it. But, like, Brad, like, what are your – why don't you kind of, like, 
summarize what's been going on with this for anybody out well, there that doesn't know. I mean, this isn't really anything specific to, you know, the past few weeks. Um, this has been something since Jurassic World came out um, back in 2015 is this idea of oh, the Rex, you know, it doesn't doesn't really look like the same one. Um, and that, that kind of maybe stems from, you know, maybe this wasn't the intention of that Rex was to be the same one, or, you know, maybe they lost the assets along the way and had to rebuild it. Maybe, you know, maybe this wasn't the A team working on the CG back then. Uh, there's a lot of things that you could say is the problem. Um, but for me, uh, well, uh, before I get into that, I guess that that's, that's really what is going on is that. This Rex that we have now in the Jurassic World series looks slightly different than the one from Jurassic Park. Um, that that kind of basically summarizes it. And and this is still an argument that is still happening um, because there there's – and it's not a wrong argument. I'll say it there. It, it's not incorrect by any means because there are differences. But I will say that – there are differences even in in the first movie too. So it's kind of hard to say like, you know, and we talked about the design of this, like the Dilophosaurus with Tom's tweet and everything. Um, This stuff, none of this stuff is accurate. And yes, people criticize you if you say, well, the DNA is made up of this and that. So you get a lot of criticism if that is your sole argument. But also like, I don't know. I, I think these things have looked different from scene to scene. And we've talked about me and you specifically, Aaron, have talked about how these movies are not very cohesive in any means. Uh, so there's that as well, just outside of the T-Rex. So uh, I so think what, I think it's a it's an interesting argument, at least. So, Brad, you and I have had this conversation about Colin telling us things via like social media. And then like all of a sudden we're supposed to like accept that as truth. It, mm-hmm. The original the, the first time that we ever knew that this T-Rex was supposed to be the T-Rex from Jurassic Park. It was like an article or it was a tweet or something. And it was the article that explained how they took kind of the the best parts of the robot and the best parts of the CG model from yeah. the 90s and they meshed them together. Now, is it ever stated, and this is for both you guys, is it ever stated in Jurassic World the movie or Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom the movie that this is the T-Rex that escapes in the first movie like is it ever stated in the movies at all that this is that rex no okay so is it not there is a little bit of dialogue in the the uh viewing area tom do you know what that says there oh Oh, it does does it mention that this is the t-rex from i i I don't think it does i'm sure i don't know i don't know i think the only reference give me a second here can you can you guys hear this the beeping? Yes. Okay, so this is the movie. I just wanted to make sure it's piping in. Um, I'm going to try to find that spot for you, and we'll see what we can find out. You're um, talking when the kids are inside the log, correct? When they're in the log, yeah. Right. There, There's some sort of dialogue in the background here. So here is the T-Rex kingdom. Maybe disturbing smaller children. Turn it up a little bit, so... I'm not hearing anything. Are so. you having fun? Yeah, uh, I guess. Maybe there's no. Maybe the. Uh, Claire gave us passes. Yeah, so we don't have to romantic. wait in line. Wait, she's not. <laughs> okay, wait. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's the. Uh, I know there's some audio somewhere. It might be the. Um, 
monorail? I don't know. Maybe, some, man. Some, I know they talk about that the the gate is made from reclaimed wood. Yeah, from maybe that's it. Anything. Cause he's I don't know. Because he's clued up on the original park, isn't he? I thought there was some audio somewhere, but I guess not. Um, Are you sure you're not thinking of something you've recorded for Jurassic Explorer, Brad? Oh, gosh. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... So for the sake of this, for the sake of this argument, let's say that there's nothing said. Now, okay. this argument kind of changes if that's proven to be false. Which, uh, Brad, I'm kind of with you. I feel like that was somewhere in a in a back uh, dialogue, like recording or something. But um, again, this is something that had Colin never said anything in an interview, this wouldn't even be an argument because we would just assume that this was another T Rex. We already know that she's too old, you know, for a standard Tyrannosaurus Rex anyway. So. We're already like having to like suspend our belief system with her age, which is just another thing. Like, who cares? It's the, it's a Rex, right? But like, I just feel like had they never said anything in a, in a interview, this wouldn't even be a topic of conversation since Jurassic World came out. So, well, I mean, we would really all be like, we would all be arguing about whether or not it is kind of like we do with the Jurassic park three t-rex is everybody's <laughs> yeah. arguing like is it is it the baby from the lost world is it the bull t-rex because it's the same animatronic you know the, the the argument would never stop but at least we have some idea that it is so that's at least a good thing yeah. right so over the over the last like couple of weeks i would say the biggest things was like, there was like a photoshop where someone took um like animatronic head and like put it on that sh- uh, uh, the Photoshop thing of like Rexy roaring in front of the volcano. Um, then there was uh, Chris Pugh's like bring Rexy back. Then there was Clayton Fioriti's like <laughs> open letter video to Trevorrow. And it was like, everyone just got really heated up over this. And so I'm just yeah. trying to like, I would like to know like what your guys' thoughts are on is, does it matter? What would you like to see? Is it too late to make changes? Is it, is it the right time to make changes? Like, well, I'm just curious as to what you guys think. There was also that that response, right, from Colin. Um, there was, yeah. What did, it, what did it say specifically? Do we have that up here? Um, it said something like, we'll see, but I, I got to see what the original tweet was too. Um, give me a second here. I'm just scrolling through. This is live podcast we'll production. Okay, so here's, here's his folks. tweet. Yeah, this is how it goes, man. No editing. Um, it says, uh, this was from Brysonator, um, that Colin saw the tweet about the design and all that, and then somebody commented, doubt anything will happen, and Colin resp- responded, we'll see. Stay safe out there. So I don't know. I mean, I am of the opinion right now that we, we don't need to – dramatically change it yet again i mean look the thing changes again still from like scene to scene uh especially in fallen kingdom like there is no like i mean sure the 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 cg and i'm sure aaron you can talk about that the model that they they have is the model they have it just looks different from scene to scene um so so bryce nader he's the guy with the um like the carnotaur skeleton right as his icon i I believe so okay so his a lot of the argument that people are making, it's like when they, especially I love it when they say, I hate this model. And they show that one shot of the T-Rex looking down at, which Blue. is, yeah. And I hate that shot. <laughs> it is the most atrocious shot to ever be in a Jurassic. I, I think any Jurassic movie, but the model is the model. They didn't like go change the model for that shot. It's just, it's terrible camera work. Like yeah. in it's terrible. Like Maya camera work. It's, it's awful. Um, 
like whoever agreed upon or was cool with that lens, like I'm sure it was Trevorrow who had final approval over it. It's just a bad, it's a bad lens. It's a bad angle. Like that model should not have been demoed that way in the film. Like it's just really bad. And so I can't even have that picture enter the conversation because there's so many other <laughs> things wrong with that, with that shot that like the model is the least of the problems in that shot. So like, well, yeah. But, you know, but yeah, I, that at least kind of you're saying is it confirms the fact that like the model is not changing. It's not like this is a different model versus the other shot when it's breaking out or uh, the shot at the very end of the movie. But what it comes down to is the people don't like the design flat out. Sure, sure, sure. Right. Like to, so, so, so the model in that really ugly lens shot is the same model where I think I think that Rex looks the most beautiful when she lets it out and it like comes from the shadows and like tries to like yes. basically hunt yeah. her down. That to me is like when that model looks like the absolute most beautiful. I think it's looked in the entire, yeah. uh, the way the generation. light hit the eyes yes. in that scene is so like sinister. Right. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing. That is the same physical model. So whether or not like the, the bad shot can be used in this conversation, I think it cannot. So, but Brad, you're right. The art, the argument truly is: should this model have been made off of a compromise between the robot and the and the and the CG from the '90s, or should it have been 100% based off of the robot? Should it have been 100% based off of the CG? And I'm just curious as to like what you well, guys think about I, that. I definitely think that like we do have to talk about the the aging factor and i know people don't like this point but the dna and stuff like that it yeah, yeah. of course there's flaws in the the design process but what are we going to do about that there's no sense in arguing that because it happened it's already in the movies this is not a george lucas production we're going to have <laughs> to go back and change the model in each of these scenes um so the model is the model so if they change it yet again, change the jawline yet again, or the mouth, you know, the, the way the mouth is, I don't know, the jawline. But I don't know. I don't think that's worth doing this far out. Um, I think if you look at, you know, most of the wrecks in this first Jurassic World and then move on to the second uh, Jurassic World, they look like very different creatures too. And then you can make that argument of like, oh, well, you know, she's been eating better now that she's out on her own. And that's kind of the way I go is I stick with – movie canon and and what is the idea within these movies not outside the movies i don't care um so yeah sure maybe the design is flawed maybe you know a a cheekbone or a a jawline doesn't change after 25 years but what are you gonna do i I don't think we should change it yet again and make these movies even more uh outlandish as far as the the canon and and uh the consistency goes I agree. I think that, I to, to be honest with you, it frustrates me because I get that there's a lot of people in the community who really, really care about dinosaurs and having them feel authentic. But obviously, as we've already said, there is a debate over whether these are even true dinosaurs to begin with. And even just getting past that debate, I think that there is so much more that needs to be focused on in a film than just the design, like a slightly different drawline. I mean, it still stands in perfectly well. You can tell that it's a T-Rex. 
So I really don't have a massive problem with it. I would much rather them commit more time to focusing on making a good story that picks up on the threads of Fallen Kingdom because we're going to have something that's really, really grandiose in scale. So I don't want them feeling like they have to go back and pick up on little threads here and there because I feel like if you spend the time doing that, you really prevent yourself from moving forwards. And I mean, from a behind-the-scenes perspective, there could be all kinds of different reasons why this Rex is the way it is i mean we don't know what kind of ilm assets they had access to when it came to doing jurassic world we don't know if anything was lost during the production period where jurassic park 4 kept being suspended perhaps they thought it was never going to happen because it went through production hell so they got rid of assets there's no way of knowing what happened but the fact is is this is so so far after the first film when those assets were used but of course there's going to be some inconsistencies because i think that when it when it comes to filmmaking as a whole the whole idea of consistent canonicity within a shared film universe is something that we've only really seen in the past 20 or 30 years before that yes there would still be an attention to canon and obviously you have people on set who are dedicated to that but it would only be within the context of that film and making sure things like hairstyles were the same from shot to shot all that kind of stuff whereas now you've really got things that are a lot more interwoven so i think that part of that is a product of the time in itself and the fact that Jurassic Park was probably never intended to be a massive franchise that it grew <laughs> out to. Um, so that's always of course Aaron's they're going to worry about that consistency. <laughs> yeah, that's. I, I feel like, Aaron, you say that a lot. Is like, this was never meant to be what it is. <laughs> it was never meant to be what it is. It was only like in the, I want to say in the middle of production that they like kind of realized that it was going to be this massive success. And that's when like, Spielberg kind of started putting the pressure on Crichton to like write a sequel, right? Like it's well documented that Crichton does not love the lost world. And it's also well documented that Spielberg ended up not loving his work on the lost world. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I, I think it's pretty well known that, and there's definitely people out there that would disagree. I'm not one of them. I think the lost world is a weaker film than Jurassic park. Now that's not to say it's terrible, Ouch. but it's, def- I think it's definitely a weaker film um than jurassic park but that doesn't mean i don't love it regardless i'm of the mindset that jurassic park 3 should never have happened and uh (laughs) and and so yeah but um there it is anyway that's 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 a hot take but when you look at things like modeling where where i come down to it is that like you know tom you were talking about you know using assets what what were the logistics of using assets from the 90s and you know cg wise and the reality is that that CG model probably doesn't exist anywhere. It was probably yeah. deleted to make room for like the next project because especially in those days, computing technology wasn't cheap. So to have massive backups of all these plates and stuff and all these models was probably an unrealistic thought. They, they finish that movie, they lock it, and that stuff gets cleared off the servers to make room for the next project. Um, and... It's not like today where you you know you work on a Marvel movie and you go okay well this is going to get a sequel right so let's save everything let's back up everything and and use it you know later um, yeah when when we converted uh, Jurassic Park we didn't have anything other than when I converted when we were converted Jurassic Park to 3D in the studio we didn't have anything other than you know the the final print um, you know it wasn't like they had all these elements for us to 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 mess with and stuff so. It's just interesting because there's also other things like 
models that are used even in video games today are more high polygon count than, uh, let's say, um, they're more high polygon count than like what they had back in those days too. So like, you know, back in those days, you probably wanted your model asset to be anywhere, you know, less than a thousand polygons or whatever. And now it's like 10,000, 20,000 polygons is nothing. Like they were putting in wrinkles and crevices and bumps with bump map, which is essentially like a lighting trick with an image. Um, you know, you can basically tell the model to like, produce a shadow where like this image map is like gray as opposed to like, you know, we're going to create a, a rise texture with the lighting. Um, if the image map is white now it's like bumps are like actually modeled in and rendered straight up. So the quality of, of model is much higher than it used to be um, back in those days. And it's, it's interesting that people want this to be, exactly like the animatronic and i think that talks to a love of animatronics over cg which is funny because jurassic park was jurassic park was one designed to show you that the two could coexist but it was also designed to show you that cg was a viable medium for film yep. and that we could make absolutely realistic things using cg so it's really weird that people gravitate towards this animatronic in my opinion. And that's only because as a kid, I I gravitated towards the CG. That's what I loved about Jurassic Park was that, you know, any other movie, when it's a robot, you can tell it's a robot. Like, you know, the, it's, it's just very obvious. But with Jurassic Park, it was, especially when I was seven, I couldn't tell the difference where the robot ended and the CG began, right? Yeah. Um, and so to kind of go back and say, like, you know, oh, they should have gone one way over the other that, that argument doesn't really hold up to me. Um, and I'm also of the mindset, uh, if we're going to take an artist's time, and this is not one artist, you're talking about sending this back to, uh, this would have to go through the entire pipeline again. They would have to spend money on an animal that they probably weren't budgeted to spend too much money on to begin with for this movie. So like, you would have to send this back to... Uh, design phase you'd have to send this back to sculpting and modeling this would have to go to a rigger a new texture artist uh this would have to go through um a new rig and it maybe not all new but these would have to go through like different checks in each department to make sure that the new creation didn't break or didn't um you know there's definitely quality checks that go into this and the amount of money that's going to cost i would much rather see a brand new species introduced than to get a few minor changes on the Rex to meet something from 26 years ago. Like, yeah. if all of a sudden... So, like, I don't, I don't think I'm wrong in saying this, but Aranosaurus has never been in the franchise, correct? Nope, it's in so. Jurassic World Evolution, and that's it. Right. Um, I actually first was introduced to it in Operation Genesis. Um, cool. But, like, if all of a sudden I found out that the Aranosaurus was going to be in Dominion, but for budgetary reasons, they had to, like, not put that dinosaur in. They had to fill it in with, like, a dinosaur we've already seen a million times. Because they had to take that budget and put it towards the T-Rex, I'd be, like, super bummed, yes. you know? So, I don't know. It's just a really interesting conversation. And I, I see both sides of it. And it's just unfortunate, like, everyone's getting so heated. Like, I actually tend to agree with, like, Clayton Fioriti's standpoint on it. I thought his video was a, was a little 
heavy. Um, <laughs> but you know, that's, I think sure. that's kind of been the debate, right? It's just everyone getting so heated and it just seems a bit unnecessary. I don't know. That's me. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think I would say as well, like just to anyone out there, keep having these discussions because they're interesting, but just think about the way that you're phrasing things. Cause you always get people who get kind of like a little bit aggressive or a little bit I don't want to use the word sassy because it's not really sassy. It's more than that. But they just get a little bit funny towards Colin about things like these. And it's like, you've got to remember at the end of the day, yes, he is the director of a film franchise that we all love and we're really passionate about, but he's a human being just like everyone else is. And at the end of the day, he is one person who's making creative decisions and you're not always going to agree with that person's creative decisions, just like you would anyone else. There's no need to kind of go at him and go for his throat just because it looks slightly different to something that you love or things like that and I think that's where we need to kind of draw the line with debates like this because obviously like here we've all shared different opinions and different ways that it could be different and I think that's how conversations like this need to be tackled in a productive manner and not a manner which just like you say ultimately escalates to I mean it got to the point where Clayton felt like he had to put an apology video out for that video that he made and I don't think we want to get to the point where there's that much conflict that people feel like they have to do things like that so it's important to have these discussions but keep them civil yeah it's just it's just a really weird like topic of conversation and like I think things kind of do they they kind of got overblown um in the sense and I just think almost you know my opinion just definitely is that like I would much rather see something new or um you know, have the, have the budget put somewhere else yeah. than to go back. And at this point, I feel like what Colin gave us in Jurassic world was a new, he gave us like this, like line in the sand of like, look, going forward, this is what you need to remember Jurassic park as. And so that we can move forward with, forward with this story. If you can't, you know, I, I think if you, if you can't look at that line in the sand between Jurassic park three and Jurassic world, I don't think you can enjoy these new movies at all. Because you have to be willing to, just like I'm willing to, you know, per the previous discussion, I'm willing to look back at 93 and concede that they were messing with DNA beyond more than just trying to get a dinosaur, right? Because if I don't, if I don't concede to that notion, then I can't enjoy these new movies. Like it, it eats at you that they've quote unquote destroyed my childhood, right? And I don't, I don't like that phrase because I am not the only kid that grew up loving Jurassic Park and I grew up in a silo, right? I didn't grow up with a podcast or, you know, a website or anything that was that was super intricate in 1993. So kids now grow up with that stuff, but we didn't have that. So like everyone's everyone's thought process on Jurassic Park was extremely different um, based on, you know, just who their friends were and who they were talking to at school. And, you know, now all of a sudden we have the world that's come together and we're all like bickering about something very silly. Agreed. Um, I, cool. yeah, I just, my, my, my statement, uh, which I put on Twitter was just that I like this Rex in, in all her versions and they're all different. Um, and I'm okay with that. I think it's fine. Um, she looks different in Jurassic Park. She looks different uh, in... Uh, what do you call it? Jurassic World live tour in Fallen Kingdom and Jurassic World, even in Fallen Kingdom. Like I said, she looks drastically different throughout that movie. But uh, outside of the the putting her in into the jail cell, I guess portion, 
I love everything else about the the way she looks in that movie and um if that's the one they stick with going forward I'm I'm good with that. I don't want this to be like a situation about like how the maps are, you know, where it's like, well, the map changes from film <laughs> to film and what's the right map? What, you know, it's it's a confusing topic that will never end because there is no right answer. So I don't want it to be- become that. So let's just stick with what we got and do what Tom said and be nice to everybody uh, <laughs> because there are real people working on these things. And I think to a certain point, they've kind of put this on the, on themselves, the creators, because, you know, Colin is so open to chatting about this stuff and also they – they have kind of made flaws in the past with images and stuff that they've released and people are like, well, no, that's actually not the way – you know, in Jurassic World, that tower was knocked out or whatever. And then they're like, oh, yeah, maybe we should change that. So yeah. they kind of bring it on themselves just a little bit to, they bring to it on see people do but, that. But the, the alternative is is not having these conversations – like, look, these conversations are fun to have with the creatives in the industry, right? So the alternative is not having those conversations – you know, they can turn themselves inwards, not talk to the fan base, not be inclusive. And then we do get more and more continuity errors. Like, it was great that fans were like, hey, no, that window was supposed to be broken. And what they do? They went on set and they busted out the window. Cool. Yeah. You know, um, so as fans, if we want these relationships with, um, you know, the directors and producers, if we want those relationships, we have to not attack every decision you know, it's one thing to be like, you know, hey, is it possible to fix this or, or something? But, um, you know, there's there's right ways and wrong ways of doing it. I remember – I can't say anything about that. But I remember like a certain situation being like, man, there's this number in this – in there was a number in Fallen Kingdom. And I very much wanted that number to be changed to reflect a number – from a toy from like 20 years ago. Now, is that a realistic expectation? It'd be fun, (laughs) like fan service, but like, it's nothing that realistically can be changed. Um, You know, and I don't think that, I don't think that we really should expect that stuff to, to change just because we want it. I'm willing to take the win of, Hey, we got Ian Malcolm in a courtroom sequence. Hey, we got red and black carnitores, like the toy that I grew up with. Like I, I kind of have to concede that like some of those wins come maybe at the cost of Rexy's jawline being a bit different. Yeah. I think it's worth saying as well. If you, it gets to the point where if you start to nitpick every little thing as well, then you're restricting somebody's creative freedom. Cause at the end of the day, a film, while obviously we will enjoy it as an audience, it is for Colin and the people who get to work on it. Also an expression of cre- creationism, I suppose. Um, I don't feel like that was the right word, but I'm going to go with it and run with it anyway. (laughs) Um, So obviously they get to make that thing and they will have a certain vision for it and they want to realise. And yeah, things won't always work out. They'll have to make exceptions. They'll have to perhaps take some things back to the drawing board and change things. But ultimately they will have an idea of what they want to do. And if they start getting bogged down with all these little changes, then that's going to have a detrimental impact on how the film comes together as a whole. And I mean, I know we've already bashed it once this podcast, but just look at Jurassic Park 3 and see what happens when you start making loads and loads of changes right at the last minute. It doesn't always end well. It doesn't end well. And I think that, the changes that were designed, especially in the dinosaur designs with like the, the feathered raptors, the the changes that were put in there to kind of satiate a a real a real scientific fact that 
the dinosaurs had feathers, right? They started transitioning in that direction and it didn't feel cohesive. It felt like watching a completely different movie from the two previous, you know? So yeah. it, it's almost like you, there's a balance that you have to strike. And at this point, I think setting the benchmark of Jurassic World being the new reality, I would just like to say, I would like to look at Rexy in Jurassic World and go, okay, that was the Rex from the previous movies, right? And just accept that the, that, that there's been physical changes, whether or not they have explanations or not, fine, whatever. But I like to look at that Rex and be like, that is the Rex. Yeah. You know, baseline, I, that is the Rex. And it, it does that for me. Like, I look at this Rex and, and I think that. I think that this is the one. And I think this is all going to get a lot messier as well when uh, Camp Cretaceous comes along. And, you know, now <laughs> yeah. we're talking about adding animation into this whole thing and sure they can make it pretty close but and i, I liked what tom said this is about uh, an artistic point of view from somebody who's making it and for instance i watch you know all the star wars animated series and i and the, the live action and from live action to one animated series to the next animated series everybody looks completely different it's a different art style it's a different artistic vision um and i think that's okay my one of my favorite characters uh or my favorite character ahsoka tano she she originated in animation in one show moved on the to the next series. one yeah moved on to another one where she looked completely different and which i think is an even better series um and then oh. she i guess is potentially moving into live action where she's going to be a completely different actress so <laughs> what are we talking about here so this is this is what we're dealing with is artistic visions and i think that's okay i think that's a great point yeah i th i think camp cretaceous might hopefully kind of like calm this debate too because Maybe. it will be the first time that we've seen canonized well we think it's canon maybe um maybe possibly <laughs> so we'll yeah um it'll be the first time that we see canonized uh film um in a different style i get that the live tour was canon and then kind of canon and then soft canon i don't know um but like you said brad that rex is the rex um and i i brought this up for i've been kind of saying this for years on the podcast even it's like as soon as you anthropomorphize these animals and and relate to them and and get like fall in love with one like before getting on the podcast it was i did not know that people loved and named that rex like rexy and i know where rexy comes from like i get that i get that reference but i didn't know that people like actually had like an emotional attachment to that rex and so going through the entire franchise before getting involved in the fan community, I was just like, I thought of them like cows or like deer. Like it's just another Rex. It's just another cow, you know? Um, and so to kind of get into the fandom and realize that people actually have an attachment to this animal and they're going to be sad if this animal dies on screen. Like that's very weird to me. Like I, I don't have <laughs> that relationship or that emotion oh, towards man. any of these characters, towards any of these animals. It's very weird. Wow. Must be nice, man. Like to, to be so detached. Cause if they kill off our, our beautiful Rexy here, I would be very, very sad. I um... will not care whatsoever <laughs> because they will just tell another great story with a new one. Like, I don't know, man. Like, like Jurassic Park three when they killed it. Oh, oh no! All right, so let's let's oh, end it right there. Uh, oh no! You got me. 
You got it. All right. Man. All right. So thank you, Tom, for joining us on the Jurassic Wire. I think this is like our first guest appearance on the wire, but I know. loved how it happened too. It was so good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I literally, Aaron, I got a message from Brad and it was just, Are you free right now? Okay, I'm adding you to a Google Hangouts call. <laughs> That's funny because I saw that. So I saw that someone came onto the Google Hangouts call, and I was just like, "Oh, there's like a glitch." And then you started talking. I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is so perfect!" <laughs> awesome, Tom. Well, where can anybody find you if they want to uh, keep an eye out for you? Um, so obviously here on the podcast with the Innovation Center that I'm hopefully finally going to be getting back to recording some stuff for soon, sure. and then also at Tom Jurassic on Twitter and Instagram. Awesome. And you, you kind of teased uh, a segment with Jay. Hopefully, you didn't uh, spoil the entire thing. But uh, we got a, a segment coming I mean, up with there's Jay. There's a little bit so. left there, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Most of it's gone, but there's a tiny bit if you guys still want to listen. <laughs> awesome. Well, that, that'll be coming up sometime soon. I don't know when, but uh, we'll get to that soon. But Aaron, where can everybody find you? On- uh, everybody can find me on Twitter at Aaron D. Byer. And then recently, I think we're actually going to stream again. We did a stream of Lego Jurassic World, and I think. Uh, my wife Ashley and I are going to do another one here in the in the short future, so keep an eye out for that. Awesome, yeah. You should. I feel like you should go on your Animal Crossing and just like stream from like your your. Movie <laughs> hey, I'm yeah. going to make it the animal. The Jurassic Park <laughs> podcast logo is now available in Animal Crossing for anybody interested. Whoa! All right, <laughs> it looks terrible, <laughs> but it's there. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, everybody. Hopefully, you enjoyed these topics, and you're not arguing. Uh, amongst yourselves so uh, you know maybe you are sorry maybe maybe we just made it worse for everybody but we thank you and appreciate you all for listening and uh, stay tuned to the next one Thank you so much for listening to the 231st episode of the Jurassic Park podcast. I want to thank everybody out there listening to this first off because uh, this is a strange time right now. And I really, really appreciate everybody that's been downloading the show, sharing it around. We've gotten new listeners, old listeners returning. I love it. You're all so awesome. And I, I really, really appreciate anybody that's taking just a few moments to listen to this show. I know I've been finding it very, very difficult to listen to podcasts over the past uh well what has it been over a month now so i really really appreciate everybody out there that is uh just checking it out whether it's for a few minutes or if you made it all the way to this i guess if you only listen to the first few minutes you probably are not hearing me thank you but thank you anyway (laughs) i really really appreciate anybody out there that's listening and and also watching our stuff on online or, or sharing our posts on twitter instagram whatever the case may be we really really love you all and i hope you're staying incredibly safe out there so a big thank you to aaron for this episode joining me last minute uh to record this episode i uh i completely forgot <laughs> uh time is just a, a very strange thing these days and i can't believe that it's uh already the end of april i'm just shocked i am literally shocked um how, wait is it did i record it? what is happening i it, it, did i don't know 
I think it's the end of April. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode, and thank you to Aaron for joining me last second. Like I said, because uh, we, even though he joined me last second, we had so many things to talk about because we've kind of taken a, a little break from the seriousness and everything of the Jurassic series right now. So um, it was fun. I know there's been a lot of controversial opinions and hot takes out there, and specifically even our, this episode alone. So I, I really appreciate it. Don't take it all so seriously. Have so much fun with it. And uh, and also a big thanks to Tom for, for cutting in there to, to save me because I'm like, I don't know how to respond to some of this stuff because I didn't – I mean, it's all Tom's feelings and concerns. So we brought Tom in. <laughs> I texted him out of nowhere, and I was like, hey, man – Come on the show real quick. Going to pop you in with Aaron and not tell him. So uh, that was a lot of fun. I, I loved that he was available to kind of come in there and set the record straight. So that was awesome. It's our first time guest. So welcome, Tom. Uh, well, first time guest to the Jurassic Wire. There's been many guests on the show. But uh, now I'm just rambling. So <laughs> I don't know what's happening anymore. I, I hope you are all staying safe, staying Jurassic out there, and uh, you know, using your time wisely here during this quarantine. And we're going to get through this all together. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to Jurassic News each and every day to celebrate with all of you. So hopefully we have some good stuff sometime soon. And uh, yeah. That's about it. So thank you all so much for listening. And I'm going to go ahead and hand it off to myself for the outro. Take it over, man. Saddle up. Let's get this movable feast underway. Please give us a follow on Twitter, at Jurassic Park Pod. And myself, at Brad Jost. Also on Facebook and Instagram, at Jurassic Park Podcast. Don't forget to join the Jurassic Park Podcast group on Facebook. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, our website, or wherever else podcasts are found. So please be sure to subscribe. Also, don't miss our toy hunts and reviews, in-depth bonus content, live streams, gameplay, events and theme park coverage, and so much more on our YouTube channel. If you haven't already, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We will read your reviews at the end of every episode, so please be sure to spare no expense. Don't miss us on the web at JurassicParkPodcast.com, where you'll find today's episode show notes, wonderful articles, bios from our contributors, and so much more. If you want to get a hold of us, you can fill out the contact form on our website or email us, JurassicParkPod at gmail.com. We're always looking for new segments, contributors, mailbag submissions, or anybody who just wants to say hello. Feel free to call our voicemail line at any time to leave us a message. That number is 732-825-7763. Thanks for listening, and enjoy. Five minutes. Drop what you're doing and leave now. The Jurassic Wire is a segment here on the Jurassic Park Podcast. Uh, well, I just messed that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.